It's the last stand. And here is your host, Brian Custer. That's right. It is the last stand where we bring you the biggest names in sports and entertainment. You know, and in football, there are no more iconic franchises than the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. And then you throw in the Denver Broncos, and our guest played for both of them. He's the Cowboys franchise leader in sacks, played over a decade in the league, nine-time pro bowler. He was one of the most feared pass rushers in the game. He's none other than DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus, welcome to The Last Stand. Hey, thank you guys for having me on the show, man. I'm, I'm so excited for today to get some things out and, uh, and and answer some questions. I know there's some Cowboys and Denver Broncos questions around the corner somewhere. Absolutely. We, you know, for first, we got to get into you. What has life been like after football? What is DeMarcus Ware been doing these days? You know, it's actually been great because my locker room is now the weight room. I've really been getting into fitness and touching lives just like I did, you know, in the locker room, building champions. But now I take that championship mentality, that characteristics, and just motivate people to live healthier lives. And so now I'm not just affecting people inside of the stadium from being a gladiator in the Coliseum, but now I get an opportunity to affect people outside of the stadium, the masses, and motivate them to really live healthier lives and, and enjoy life like I'm doing right now. Oh, that's fantastic. You look, listen, you look great. You look, you look like you could play and suit up right now, uh, <laughs> the, the way you look. Uh, and let's talk about uh, America's team, the Cowboys, because, I mean, you, you spent so many years there. Um, this, this team... Uh, you, you look at right now, the big thing is COVID. Uh, nine players on the COVID list. They only had seven all season long last year. But Zach Martin's on there, who Zeke Elliott called yeah. uh, the most important offensive player. How much of an issue you think this is going to be for the Cowboys this season? You know, when you start thinking about, I'm talking about from a defensive standpoint, you have your top guy, that right tackle to where every single time Zeke gets the football, they went right behind him. And if he's not being there, all right, how are we going to move the chains? We're going to put that second string, that third string guy in there. Um, from a defensive standpoint, I'm going to try to do whatever I can to create those mismatches, right? But also I'm going to try to confuse the offense. And um, I just hope, hopefully, you know, that second string guy is going to get in there and do what he needs to do. But first of all, you got to feed Zeke. And then Dak needs to go in there and do what he needs to do. I know he's been out for a little while, um, but you know what? He's going to come back strong and uh, hopefully they're able to pull this game off because, you know, Tampa, they're coming in strong. And they're coming off of a Super Bowl win. They're motivated and they're ready to play. I'm happy you, you brought up Dak because, you know, obviously he's coming back from that horrific ankle. Uh, no reps at all in the preseason. And and as we saw, he had the shoulder injury. So then he was on a pitch count. Really, uh, there was a, for a while, wasn't practicing at all. Now, finally back practicing for the season opener. How concerned should Cowboys be that Dak Prescott, A, can be healthy because we really haven't seen him test the ankle and now with the shoulder? You know what? Uh, one thing that I... I have known is, you know, preseason is overrated a little bit, right? Um, it's all about, to me, getting that cry, that crowd vibe, getting those, getting that, it's almost like the, the jitters of going into the new season out, right? And then during the, during training camp, that's when 
you practice hard. When you're going over the plays over and over again, knocking that dust off, and that's when you're getting comfortable back into the games because you have the pads on majority of the time and you can control the player. So um, with Dak being out, you know, for a lot of that pre, a lot of those preseason games, I knew that he was, from what I know, is getting in a lot of those reps in practice. He don't have to worry about getting 10 to 20. He can go get 40 to 60 reps now. And so he should be used to it. But for me, I want to make sure his body can withstand 16, 17, 18 games uh, with him being out. Um, and so I'm ready just to look and see um, what type of tenacity he brings to the game and leadership he brings, you know, he's coming back with, especially being hurt like that. And can he hold up the rest of the season? So, DeMarcus, the Cowboys get the defending champion, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, mm. right out of the gate. Um, how much of a measuring stick will it be for the Cowboys to see what exactly this team is? You're going against the best of the best the first game. Not just talking about Tom Brady. I'm talking about the Super Bowl champs. Those guys are motivated. They know what they can do, and they know what they're, they're capable of doing. And with Tom Brady, I know that he's going to go in trying to prove a point again. You're going to, against the Dallas Cowboys, and every team, when I played with them, they played us 110% because they knew we were on television. And if I can make a point to embarrass the Dallas Cowboys, I'm going to do so. Right. So I think that this measuring stick with the Dallas Cowboys going up against Tampa, playing in Tampa, um, is going to either them win that football game, them being close and saying, hey, we have the team to get deep into the playoffs. And this defense, talking about the Cowboys defense, was statistically horrible uh, yeah. last season. Um how much of a measuring stick is it for this defense, to, for the Cowboys to know what kind of defense they have right out of the gate when you've got Brady, you've got Gronk, you've got Godwin, you've got Ronald Jones. I mean, they've got weapons upon weapons. How much of a measuring stick is it for the defense? I mean, you're going against the monsters of, of the offense with the Gronks and Brady's, a couple of guys that you named. So, but you also have gotten new guys in which a full Randy Gregory, right? He's going to be there the whole season. You got Michael Parsons. You got DeMarcus Lawrence. You got a couple of other guys that you picked up during the offseason. And defensively, I will go into this game and knowing talking to DeMarcus Lawrence and, and training with Michael Parsons in the offseason, it's like they're ready for the challenge. They're ready to um, say we have arrived because last season, from what they said, we were uncomfortable. We um, didn't know where we fit, but now I see that spark um, this offseason and during training camp and during the preseason games that I didn't see last season. So if they can add all that together and then take that to the game and slow Brady down, you're not going to stop Brady. You're not going to stop that offense. You're going to slow him down. And if they can do that, they're going to be right where they need to be. You talked about they didn't know where they were. From your eye and what you've seen and, and talking to the players, what was the biggest problem with the Cowboys' defense last year? Um, confidence. Um, a lot of the guys, they were just saying they didn't know where they want they, they needed to fit against a run. Um, and it was like the morale of the team wasn't there, um, which you usually in the offseason during, you know, during the COVID times, they didn't have those meetings. They didn't establish the leaders that needed to be established to now sustain them throughout the season. And they have done that this offseason from talking to the guys and the way that they feel. But last season, they weren't confident. 
And when you go into a game, no matter what, if you're looking at that other 10 guys that you're playing with and you don't really know if he's going to do his job, if he's going to actually make that play, or in the third and fourth quarter, are you going to drop your Bs and get the job done? If you don't know that, then I'm going to play a little timid. And so that's what I saw uh, from those guys, but I didn't see any of that um, this preseason and then this offseason as well. Yeah, you know, a lot of people have said Dan Quinn is probably the best, one of the best pickups that the Cowboys yeah. have, uh, their new defensive coordinator. But, you know, you guys used to always say this to us when we would interview you. Hey, look, players <laughs> got to play. Coaches aren't making any tackles. So uh-huh. why is Dan Quinn uh, going to be a difference maker this year for the Cowboys defense? I think it starts at the top. And when the coach demands excellence of himself and that resume <laughs> – is there, it, it sort of trickles over and bleeds into the players. And the players feel that way too. And then the leaders are start are able to lead the way that they need to lead and do the things that they need to do. And so with Dan Quinn coming in, he makes it simple. Uh, one thing you just said, the, the coach is going to call the players the plays and then the players are going to make those plays and do what they need to do. And that's what I see that the players are doing. He's making it really, really simple for them. But I have brought in a lot of athletes that now it's man against man, mono against mono, and we can beat you because we're just better. Uh, you mentioned Demarcus Lawrence, and you guys obviously you guys have a tight relationship. So I, I was reading uh, some of the Dallas papers, and listen, two-time Pro Bowler. You can talk about Demarcus Lawrence. Um, you know, the, the one season in 2017, 14 and a half sacks. He follows that up the next year, 2018, 10 and a half sacks, both Pro Bowl seasons for him. Then he gets the contract extension, the five-year, $105 million contract extension. That season, he only has five <laughs> sacks. Last right. year, six and a half sacks. All of a sudden, you start reading these papers. They say DeMar- DeMarcus Lawrence got paid, has fallen off because he got paid. Uh, is that criticism valid? I don't, I don't think that criticism's balanced because a lot of people don't see what the gladiators go through, meaning the football players during the season. When you have an offseason where you have a shoulder injury, it is hard to come back from that. I know exactly what that feels like, and that's that five-sack season. And then you go in again in, in the pandemic, you have another surgery. And I think even I think it was on the same arm or the other arm, and you expect for me to come back and be 100%. And I have learned that you have to play hurt in this game. When you are out there, when you're a gladiator, when you're in that coliseum, no matter what, if I put those pads on, pads on, I need to show up. And uh, he didn't do that those last two years. Maybe because he was hurt, I'm making that excuse for him. But now you aren't. And I talked to him about it. I said, now you got to represent that star and have that seal in your chest and be that guy that's going to lead the team to championships because that's what defenses do. And he said, DeMarcus, for the first time in a couple of years, I'm ready and I feel that way. He said, it's law. It's love. Um, It's like love versus war that he was talking about, meaning his last name, what that really meant. And he said, war is going to happen this season. He said, people better be ready for it. And I got crumb. I was like, dude, <laughs> this is this is what we're looking for. And um, you know, I can't wait to see that. Do you think your namesake, Demarcus Lawrence, will be a pro bowler again this season? 
I think I think he'll be a pro bowler this season. Season. The reason why I say that is because you have Michael Parsons, you have Randy Gregory. He has a supporting cast, everybody behind him, and that's just going to propel him uh, to play even better. Mm. Uh, just like th this current Cowboys squad, and you saw this too, even when you were playing for the Cowboys, it seems like the boys start off great, but man, once you get to December, all of a sudden, the team falls off. Um, why will it be different? I think it's the team is built during the offseason. And one thing that they got to have is a solid offseason. The mini camps, the training camps, the offseason weights. That's what's sustainable when you start thinking about how are we going to lead into the season and get us into the postseason, just like you said, right? But if you don't work as hard in the offseason, yeah, you're going to play good six, seven, eight, nine, or 10 games. And then once you get to 11 to 16, that's when you start seeing the beasts come out, right? Guys that saying that, hey, I have that little bit of extra push. I've had that offseason, and that's what they've had now this offseason. I think that's what's going to be the change now. But you got a coach that know what it feels like to be in that postseason. I'm talking about defensively. This is what we need to get us over that hump. And I feel that it's going to be a tremendous change if all the guys stay healthy. It's all about staying healthy and getting over that hump and then just, just pushing as much as possible. Uh, so we got to talk about Denver, too, uh, because, you, you know, this is a <laughs> franchise led by the great John Elway, and it seems like they just can't get right at the quarterback spot. So yeah, yeah. I guess is this the season where Denver can finally get right at the quarterback position? Dude, I, I've been watching this preseason, and I promise you, I'm making a promise to you right now, that Denver is a sleeper team, okay? Teddy Bridgewater is going to go in there and maintain the game. I played against the dude. People, sometimes they don't vouch for him. I played against him and I hated playing against him. And I saw him do a couple things this offseason. String plays out, throw the ball short, you know, move the chains. I was like, hold up, wait a minute. I, didn't, I haven't seen that in a while in Denver. And then I saw number 58, number 55, get into the quarterback, creating plays, Simmons getting interceptions, hold up. Starting to feel like that Super Bowl team, like we were, like we had a couple years ago, five, four or five years ago, whatever, with me and Peyton. I felt that vibe back, and I feel like those boys have that vibe back. And if they can carry that through this season, they're gonna be hell to deal with. Wow, um, it, 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 we got to talk about your career because phenomenal career again Cowboys franchise leader in sacks and then you come over to Denver and boom you get, you win you win the chip you win it all <laughs> um let's start in Dallas talk to me about what was the highlight of your Cowboy career and when you look back on it give me the main reason DeMarcus Ware said you know what I'm gonna leave the star and go to Denver um, I think the highlight of my whole career was, it's like that locker room that you never can get back. Flozell, Larry Allen, T.O., Tank, Pac-Man, I mean, you name it, the list goes on. Mary and the Barbarian, Marcus Spears, Chris Canty. Dude, we were like the Monstars when we played. And that's my, like my highlight 
of my whole career was every single season preparing, knowing that we can win the Super Bowl, right? And the point to where we used talking about being released, I was at year nine and hit that salary cap and they could have kept me there. Jerry Jones came to me and said, DeMarcus, you've done so much for this organization, but we can't pay you. Even if you want to take half, we still cannot pay you. And I, I'm sitting there like, man, what am I going to do? And I got an opportunity to go play for the Denver Broncos. So I wasn't, I didn't want to leave. I got released for opportunity to go make more money for another team and go win a championship. Jerry Jones gave me that. So there was an opportunity for me to where they could have kept me and say, you know what? I'm going to let you just get the trash at the end of trade, at the little on trading day. But they let me go. So I got an opportunity to win a championship in Denver and uh, still had a couple of years in me in the tank. And that's, but it felt good to do that. It surely did. Uh, and, and I think I think there was a lot of Cowboy fans who were envious, but more importantly, happy that you you got it because of what you gave to them. When you look back on it, DeMarcus, give me the biggest difference then, because you just rolled off the number of great. I mean, even Hall of Famers, when you talk about T.O., Romo, uh, Canty, Pac-Man, all these great players that the Cowboys had and yet could not win it. You go to Denver, boom, you win it. Biggest difference between these organizations? Um, both of the organizations, great owners. But when you have a plethora of chiefs on a team, you sort of get missing. You so The part that's missing is the glue. The guys that put everything together, the younger guys that you really don't see because the, so many of the big names are making the stars shine. Right. And so when it came down to the point of winning the playoffs, everybody wanted to be part of the star or wanted to be the star that night because it was shining so brightly. Right. Because it was on a huge platform. But going to Denver, I started seeing Vaughn Miller and Terrence Knight. And I saw, you know, um, Julius Thomas, uh, Demarius Thomas. It, it was guys that were great at what they did, but they were all like glue type guys. They all stuck together, playing videos together, doing family things together, doing the off-season things together. Instead of going home to the families, they wanted to hang out. And it was weird for me at first. But then it got to a point where I understood why I wanted to play so hard for that guy next to me. Why I wanted to, at the end of the day, in the fourth quarter, when it's third and 10, and when they look at me and they say, Demarcus, I need you. I'm going to give you at least 94%. I don't know exactly where I got that number from, but I gave them at least 94% every single play because I was close to those guys. That was one thing that was missing with the Cowboys. The Chiefs left off. They had families. The Indians wanted to stay around, but we stayed. We had just enough with me and Peyton. Peyton being the sheriff. I was a deputy, and we kept that thing straight and won championships. Wow, that's that that's really interesting. Um, and and from a quarterback standpoint, you know, Romo was great for the Cowboys. Um, what was it? Do you think was missing uh, to take it over the hump? What what do you think Romo was missing? Um, because he had T.O. He had, you had a, you had some great receivers uh, that he just couldn't win at all. I, I I can't even like put a pinpoint on it, but I just know that. Every single time we were close to the playoffs, we just shut down. We shut down 
in a way to where I understand. It's like people were ready for the off season. When I was when I was there, saying there is no freaking off season. This is all we got. If we lose this game, it is over. Every single thing that we put in this whole year, it is over. But a lot of people had a lot of lives outside of the game. My life was the game. I ate the game. I slept the game. And I woke up and I played the game again every single day. But everybody didn't have that mentality. Mm -hmm. So that was just one thing for me that I knew that was just missing. But guess what? I tried to put a little bit of that in every single one of the players that I played with, but we played really hard. And, and do you think that that's what comes with being so-called a Dallas Cowboy because you're on such a national stage, and with that, a lot of things come to you. So, yeah, you may love football, but you also love all the things that come with being a Dallas Cowboy, and maybe they got they lost sight of, as you talk about, the bigger goal, and that's the Super Bowl as opposed to being a Cowboy and a star – uh, you, you understand what I'm saying? Do you think that maybe yeah, that, that contributed yeah. to some of that? I, I, I think that every single year, you know that when the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, we're on every single national television um, late night game. We don't have a lot of those noon games, you know, where nobody's really watching. And to be on a platform like that is hard because your first game, if you win the first three, oh, they're Super Bowl bound. The next game, we're going to fire the coach. How hard is that, that up and down for a player? Is this guy actually going to be here next year? Um, this guy can't play this week because he got in trouble. It was a lot of things that we were dealing with, you know, don't want to get into throughout the year, like no matter what. But we found a way to get through it. But at the end of the day, it, it took tolls on us and it hindered us in the offseason. Hmm. Jerry Jones as an owner. How would you describe Jerry Jones uh, as an owner? Because there's some guys who just have this deep, great personal relationship with him, whether it's the Michael Irvings, the, the Troy Aikmans, who, and all those type of guys. And then there are other guys who say, yeah, he loves you if we went in, but he ain't winning. You know, how would you describe Jerry Jones as an owner? Dude, I'm, I'm one of those guys that I love Jerry Jones. I mean, a great owner, took care of me. Uh, when it was time to, when it was playing time, took care of me. When it was practice time, took care of me. But also taught me a lot of things off the field from a business standpoint of how to manage yourself, how to manage life. And that can also be intimidating when you got the most valuable team in the world. And you're going to talk to an owner with that type of uh, stature. But for me, I looked at him as a resource. And he, as he looked at me as I was a resource for him. And to be able to have that type of connectivity um, and feel a certain uh, way between each other, it was great. And um, I mean, I still talk to him to this day. If I hit him up on his cell, he'll answer, wow. which is really cool. So um, I got great respect for him. We'll start in Dallas. Best teammate you had in Dallas? Best teammate I had, dude. That is hard, man. You can't put me on the spot like that. I, <laughs> yeah, I would just say, that's like, what we do. That's and what we you know, do. guys, guys that I still talk to. We got to yeah. say, guys that you still talk to are your boys. Okay. Guys that you do not talk to right now were your teammates. 
Right. That's where you get down to. So Brady James, Hatcher, uh, Jason Hatcher, Aiken Adele, Marcus Spears. I talk to Jason Witten sometimes. Uh, I talk to T.O. Steele. Guys that, you know what? They hit me up and just to ask me, hey, how are you doing? What's up? Those are the guys that at the end of the day that, you know, I jail with this whole, I mean, during my football career, Peyton Manning still, Vaughn Miller, those guys, still talking to a lot of those guys. So um, if you text me now, you're my boy. But I love it. If we don't talk, we were teammates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you give me a, because <laughs> the locker room always, there's always some crazy, can you give me one locker room crazy story where even you, today, you shake your head and be like, yo, I cannot believe this happened in the locker room. Um, I got, okay, I got one for you. So, um, I'm not going to call any names. <clears throat> right. So, one, one of my teammates, um, we, we used to sometimes play card games, Right. And sometimes the card games can get really high stakes, right? So we're playing this card game, and, you know, the person lost on Wednesdays, we would actually bring uh, the money, right? And you got to bring cash. And uh, and the cash was about uh, about $285,000 that somebody lost, okay? And I didn't know that. So the guy comes out and says, hey, Demarcus, uh, do you actually, I tell you what, come check my car out outside. So I walk outside, there's a Murcielago, okay? Doors up, you know, the ones with the doors that open up like this. Right. Nice. I think it was like a 2000, whatever. Let's say 2011, whatever, right? So I see one guy come up with a briefcase. And he's like, dog, I'm so glad you brought my bread. What do you mean you brought what What bread? Say, yeah, I just won this on the plane. So... The guy opens up the suitcase. I've never seen this much money before. $285,000 of cash in that suitcase. The lady wow. had the money thing. You know, the little thing that... You know that one? Yes. She had yes. it. She counted it all out. And he bought that car. And that wow. was one of the things in my head where I thought, like... This is like some gangster stuff, man. How can you have, how did you, I, I asked the guy, I said, how did you get that much money? And then, and he said, you have to order it. I said, what do you mean you order it? He said, you go to the bank and you order the money and they will give it all to you at one time. I said, what? Dude, that was like one of the craziest stories. And I have plenty more, but that was, it was a crazy story. But at the end of the day, I did drive the car. <laughs> that's great that is fantastic uh talk to me about winning the super bowl what was that moment like it was great man i can rewind and take back to the acc um yeah afc uh championship against the patriots i remember we won and we were going to the super bowl and i walked into the locker room and i was in there by myself and guys like hey d we just won the AFC championship. And I thought to myself, hmm. And I went back outside. I celebrated a little bit. And then they came back inside and they gave me the game ball. And I thought to myself, to the guys, you guys have been here before. Y'all lost to Seattle a couple of years before this. I said, y'all know exactly what this feels like. And they put the hat on. I said, this hat means nothing. This little bobo ring means nothing. 
I said, at 6 o'clock in the morning, that week, I'm going to be right there in the locker room. I'm going to open up the door, and y'all better have your minds right, because I told you, if we get into the Super Bowl, we're not losing. And fast forward, we're in the Super Bowl, and my moment for myself, I didn't want to touch the Super Bowl trophy after the game. I was like, I'm, I'm going to have my moment eventually. And walking inside of the locker room, and there's no one in there, and I saw that Super Bowl trophy in there, right there in my locker. Mm. And I looked around like, is this somebody playing with me? So I walked in there and I touched that trophy, dog. I'm talking about it almost like shocked me because I got my time and it was clean too. And guess who comes right behind me and taps me on my back? It was Peyton. We didn't have to say a word. We didn't have to say nothing, man. I'm getting chills right now. We looked at each other in our eyes and we just like freaking, I mean, the Super Bowl trophy was between us. Like, oh, dude, it was just that feeling of I have arrived. I've done this. This is what I've been waiting my whole life for. And I got to do it with Peyton, somebody that I hated playing against, but I love playing with. And that was like that moment for me to where like, you know what, D? You, you, you done that. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's, that's, that's phenomenal, man. Um, and, 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 you know, Romo, if you watch him now when he does games, he's, he gives, he gets a lot of credit for being so cerebral, especially when he's, he's uh, calling football games. Uh, that's the same thing with Peyton Manning. What was it like playing with Peyton Manning, having to practice against him where you got to see it up here? What separated him from the rest? When you practice before practice, that's when I knew it was real. When I, let's say we got these huge meeting rooms, he would actually put the offensive linemen like here, and then he would put like the tight ends and then the wide receivers and the running back behind them, and they would watch tape. And so he would be in there, he would call out the plays, and say, hey, what do we got here, running back? The running back would be behind him. So he would put them in the exact position where they would be on the field, and if there was a different play, they would rotate. And I was like, I've never seen that before. He would call, you know, Omaha, sauce, macaroni, whatever he wanted to do and do, do his little deal here. <laughs> but he did everything during the meetings. Then they would go and practice it out there before practice. Then I would see them do the same thing in practice. I was like, you have to be kidding me. How much practice can you actually do mentally? When you're talking about cerebral, it was all mental for him. We barely practiced in pads. It was so mental that we never really made any mistakes. We were so glad to put the pads on and hit somebody that <laughs> it, it was a reward. So mm -hmm. it was cool playing with him and seeing how he prepared, and it made just the defense even better. And, and you, you always talked about knowing how to play hurt. We, we heard about the neck injury. How bad was it for him, and yet he still played? Um, when you see a guy at 5.30 in the morning can't even throw the football like 10 yards. I'm being real, even his shoulder. Of the year of the Super Bowl, because I hurt my back. I hurt my disc in my back. And every morning we woke up at like 5.30 and we practiced. I went out and did a couple of drills, as much as I can do, maybe run five yards. But seeing him fight through what he did, the injury, the neck injury, the shoulder injury, and not even being able to throw the football and come back like right at the end of the season, like I, I was pretty healthy, but he wasn't. And 
when he came to me and came to us and he was like, hey, I'm not the same guy that I used to be. I'm dwindling. I'm not going to lose these football games. I'm going to control the clock. You know, you give me a, give me six. Let me get down the field. I'm going to give you six or three. That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm only going to give you 15 or 17 points. Defensively, I'm going to give you all so much rest. Like, he would just control the chains. He would keep the ball six, seven, eight, nine minutes, crush their defense. We would go back out there, I'm talking about fresh, and just get him short field. He'll give us three. Short field. So he, we played the chess match the whole time. And for him, it was all here. It wasn't physical at all because he was throwing like ducks. But it worked because he was just so good at what he did. Wow. Um, you, you, told, you said earlier Denver will be the sleeper team this year. Look out for them. Be honest with me. What do you, what do you think the Dallas Cowboys are going to do this year? Because, listen, Green Bay is going to be tough. They got a lot of good teams in the NFC. What do you think the Dallas Cowboys are going to do this season? Um, I think this year is going to be a way better year than they were last year. I think it's going to really come down to injuries. All the guys are back. They're feeling good. You got Lyle Collins. You got, you know, um, Ty, Tyron Smith. You got, I mean, it's a lot of guys back. But for me, I want to see how they gel even more when it gets hot. When it gets hot, when they're down by 10, when they're down by 13, now how do they manage the clock? Are they going to still feed Z? Are they going to start trying to air it out? Or are they going to keep their regiment, the, the game plan that they're keeping, and, um, and letting the defense go out there and control the game? So I, I, I can't wait to see that. Uh, hopefully I see that, but I'm optimistic. I want to see. I, um, I want to see the guys do what they do. Yeah. I, th I think a lot of Cowboys fans would like to see that too. I uh, talked about this new venture you got uh, with Avondale. Talk to me about all of that and what's that? What's that? What is that all about? Um, it's a deal called it's called Helmets Off. This is the first episode with me and Tank, um, Tank Lawrence, right? And what we wanted to do is mesh with a company that's great at what they do, which is Avondale. The reason why it's called Intersection is because Avondale is off of Oakland and Avondale Avondale Avenue, so that's the intersection. But the real intersection is me and Demarcus Lawrence taking our helmets off, having some real conversations about life, about sports. But also you got a lot of other businessmen and entertainers and um, people that um, are, are of stature, but people don't know as much of or how they act.